So we stand in this room today. Would you hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 7, verse 50? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The words of Jesus, Go in peace. Go in peace. Go in peace. This is our word for today. Go in peace. Hear it again. Go in peace. Let's say it together. Go in peace. Once again, go in peace. Let us pray. Our good and our holy God, today as we open your word, we pray by your Holy Spirit that you would take your word and create in this moment a word for us, for this hour, for this moment, for this day, for this week, for our lives. We pray, Lord, that you would speak deep down into our hearts. Go in peace. Lord, we live in a world of chaos and confusion. We live in a world of conflict and anger. But we give you thanks, Lord, for the gospel of grace and your word of peace. And we ask you, Lord, to speak it afresh. Speak it that our souls will hear. God, we thank you for this day, this this Lord's day, this opportunity to worship you together on this corner in this room. We're grateful for those who who are watching and listening online and on television. We pray somehow, Lord, that you would work in our lives, that you would make us more like Christ. We thank you for the chance that we've had today to sing, to baptize, to greet, and to give. And Lord, we thank you for your living word. We come to it now hungry, Lord, and humbly. And we ask you, God, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us hearts that would receive your word like a seed planted in fertile soil. Give us feet that would walk from this place to do your will. Strengthen, Lord, our frame that our work in this world would be like your own. And God, we pray that a word of life and hope would be found in our lips. This is our prayer in Christ's name. And we say together, amen, amen. Friends, please be seated. Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Today we continue the message series following. We're looking at people in the gospel of Luke that follow Jesus and teach us something about following Jesus. And he says to this woman at the end of an encounter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now I don't know of a more needed word in our hour than the word go in peace. A clear word from Christ. Having experienced this, having come to this place, having met me in this moment, at, at, in, this, in this little encounter, I want you to stand here, Jesus would say to her. And let this be your place to stand. And let it be the lever that pushes your life forward. And from here, from this moment, from this place, from this time, from this encounter with me, Jesus said to her, 
go in peace. You might be saying, man, I wish he'd say that to me today. Lean forward. He is. Comes at the end of a story, and it's a story with characters, and each of these characters teaches us something about living in the world as it is as a man or woman who's living at peace. At peace with God, at peace with self, at peace with neighbor. Free to be who God made them to be because of his grace, his goodness. Lives built on faith in him. Lives characterized by peace. I have a hunch that you have a hunger for peace. And if you don't, I'll stand right here in this pulpit and say, I do. Too many days are filled with anxiety, fear, and worry. Too many nights are spent sleeplessly rolling around in the bed. If this one's for me and me only, fine and good, God will do his work today. But I believe, I believe I don't stand here alone. And that you're like me. And you need to hear Jesus say again, through his spirit, on this day, in this hour, in this place, go in peace. To really get the weight of it, we got to hear the whole story. And that story begins in verse 36. So relax, let Uncle Matt read your story. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet, and she anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know what manner of woman this is who's touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, Oops. <laughs> And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. He didn't see that one coming. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Now a denarii is about a day's wage. So one owed 500 days of labor and the other 50. One owned a year and a half, the other a month and some change. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, 
but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, uh, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now this is quite a scene. <laughs> this is quite a story. And that's quite a punchline. Go in peace. And to really understand it, I think you've got to look at the characters. You start with Jesus. Let's look at Jesus at peace. Is Jesus, could we, could we describe him as a man of peace? Well, how is Jesus acting in this scene? Well, he's reclining. Which means this was either a banquet or a Sabbath meal. Very likely, uh, he was the guest of honor, uh, so to speak. It could have been after an experience where he was even preaching or teaching. And it's kind of like Sunday dinner back in the old days, you know, when you invite the preacher over to your house for fried chicken. Well, well here is Jesus in this scene. And what's he doing in this scene? He's reclining. He's just chilling out. You know, when you see the Gospels, you really have a very little bit of Jesus' very, very short life. It's remarkable. Uh, there have been studies on this, and it's, it's just days and hours. It's, it's not years and years and years. It's just snippet here, snippet there, a little this, a little of that. Important things, things that stood out, greatest hits, things that explain to the world who Jesus is and what he's about. And so it's remarkable that there are any scenes whatsoever of Jesus doing anything that we would call relaxing. But there are quite a few of them. They're all over the place, which makes it highly remarkable because there's so little of his life in the Bible at all. But you have that scene where, where the, the, the disciples are on the boat and they're all worked up because there's a storm. And what is Jesus doing? He's relaxing. There are times he would send his disciples to do something and it was hot, so he'd just kind of stay there relaxing. There are these great scenes where he's at banquet, where he's at table, and he's with people, and he's just seems to be so at peace with so much that's going on around him. Jesus' very first miracle takes place at a wedding and what's so remarkable about it is he's there because he was invited and he had time to go if anybody had a built-in excuse to skip anything it's the messiah and how many of you get those cards in the mail and you say to your wife we gonna have to go to this one yes sign the card send it back but Jesus had time. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, had time to go to the wedding, 
and to recline at the table. I see him here in this scene. You know, he, he, they, they've got the olive oil on the table like it's Guido's down in Galveston, you know. And he's taking the bread and he's dipping it in. He's popping grapes in his mouth and he's there at the table reclining. Jesus walked through this world at peace. Oh, he knew stress. He knew pain. He, he knew the grind. But he was a man at peace. Because he was free to be, totally free to be the person that God the Father intended him to be. He wasn't bound up with the expectations of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They weren't fair, you see. They were so sad, you see. He, he wasn't bound up with that. He didn't have to tow that line. He was free to be who the Father had called him to be. And this is the exact opposite of expressive individualism. He wasn't making it up on his own, on the fly. He said, everything I do, I do in obedience to the Father. This is how God lives in the flesh on the earth, in obedience to himself, to his character, to his nature, obedient to the Father. We see it at his baptism. This is where we really see the, the, the peace of Jesus and the freedom of Jesus on full display from the start. At his baptism, uh, the heavens are torn asunder. The Father speaks over the Son. This is my beloved Son. And the Spirit descended on Jesus gently as a dove. And Jesus walked from those waters doing God things in the most unorthodox ways. Isaiah used to pray, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Isaiah would plead with God to tear open the heavens and come down. And in his prayers, he envisioned that as God did, the water in the bowls on the kitchen counter would begin to bubble and boil that it would be shock and awe, thunder and lightning, that it would be something just beyond our ability to take in. It would snatch our breath. And here at the baptism of Jesus, God rends the heavens and lights gently on Jesus. And he walks through the world being God. In this scene, he forgives sins. Why? Because he's God. And he's at peace. Jesus shows us how to live at peace in our flesh. It's to want to please the Father. It's to want to walk with God. Therefore, Jesus was determined and focused and utterly unhurried. He had time. The maker of time had time for things that you think are a waste of time because he was at peace. He was at peace. And he was so at peace, he upset the apple cart, something fierce, which is why he found himself in the home of Simon the Pharisee. That's our second character. Now, can we say that Simon is a man at peace well, let's look and see how he acted, how he behaved. You've heard of the hostess with the mostess? That was not Simon the Pharisee. 
he was the host with the leastest. I know a man, his name is Ward Calhoun. Chief Deputy Ward Calhoun. He is the Chief Deputy of the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Department. He's a lawman. And I don't know how it came to Ward, but his job, part of his job duties, is to run the social media accounts for the Sheriff's Department in Lauderdale County. I don't know if he volunteered for this. I don't know if he lost a bet. I don't know if he was forced to do it. But somehow, Chief Deputy Ward Calhoun is the chief of the Facebook and the Twitter feeds of the Lauderdale County Sheriff's Department. And normally, Ward does something like this. Happy rainy Thursday. Hope you have a good one. Uh, and, and sometimes he says, there's a storm coming. Be careful. Sometimes he'll say, there's a tree down on Route 4, Box, whatever. And, you know, he'll give stuff out to the people, interesting things. Well, this uh, Valentine's. This recent Valentine's, Chief Deputy Ward Calhoun advertised an ex-Valentine's Day special sponsored by the Sheriff's Department in Lauderdale County. He said, do you have an ex-Valentine? We have a deal for you. He said, do you know if your ex-Valentine has outstanding warrants? <laughs> he said, do you know if your ex-Valentine is carrying narcotics in his car? He says, if you have this information, you can call the sheriff's department and we have a night planned for your ex-Valentine. He said, it will start out with brand new stainless steel bracelets. He said, then we'll give him a ride in the back of a Dodge Charger. Uh, and, and at that point, we will have his photograph taken by an amateur photographer. Uh, he said, then he will be uh, checked into our accommodations that are currently understaffed. He said, our chef will prepare a meal for him, every expense taken. <laughs> we'll feed him, uh, but we won't feed him very well. Well, when Jesus goes to this Pharisee's house, it's almost like he had been reading the news feed because every expense was just not, that one, we can spare that one. That one, we can spare that one. Jesus comes into this house. They don't wash his feet. They don't give him a kiss. These are not things that were required. These were things that were done to show honor and respect. Jesus came into the home of this Pharisee, and he sat down to a table of bare minimum. Bare minimum. And the atmosphere created was one of a, of a bare minimum business meal. Not the first time your mother-in-law came to your house. It was pared down. It was way beyond simple. It was the kind of things held back to make a point. Simon set it up like this because Simon was a man threatened by Jesus. And he was there to get some information out of him at table, but he certainly wasn't there to give off the impression that he was going to honor him. Simon, as a Pharisee, was one who was benefiting from the status quo, even though he probably secretly hated it. He was a personification of what Jesus had just talked about at the end uh, of verse 31. 
The Lord said, To what shall I liken the men of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We mourned to you you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating nor drinking wine and you say he is a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking and you say he's a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by all our children. Jesus, let me tell you what it's like right now. Let me tell you what the atmosphere is like in this world. It's like everybody's a bunch of kids trying to figure out what game to play and they can't pick the game. Let's play funeral. They didn't want to play funeral. Let's play wedding. They didn't want to play wedding. When your kids were little, did you have a hard time figuring out which fast food drive through to go through? I want Taco Bell. I don't know. I don't want Taco Bell. I want this. He's like, you're like the kids arguing over the games. So many options, and yet you're not satisfied. Jesus said, this is what this guy's like. Here's John the Baptist. Here is Jesus offering the diversified, beautiful ways of God. And they weren't having any of it because it made a claim on their status quo. I was having lunch one day with one of the most successful men in the community at the height of his prowess. He hadn't been meaningfully connected to the church since the 70s. He said, Matt, bottom line is we're just very, very hard to please. Let's play funeral. Let's play wedding. It's sad when people are hard to please when the pleasures of God are at his right hand. And they're offered up in grace. And here is this guy. Here is this guy trying to order and control his world. And when this upstart upstarts, he says, we got to have him over to dinner and figure him out. See if he's really a prophet of God. See if he's for real. See if he's for real. And they invite him over. And it comes undone. His world comes undone. Because of the third character. She's just listed in the text as the sinful woman. And when she comes in, she comes in loud and hot, weeping, and, and weeping on the guest of honor, and wiping his feet with her hair, and wasting something valuable for him. And the Pharisee in his heart said, well, I guess we know now, don't we? A prophet wouldn't know. In fact, it doesn't really take a prophet. Just take a look. Wonder what he's really up to. They seem like they know each other pretty well. Prophet. And Jesus heard the rattles of his heart. And he said, let me tell you a story. 
And he told that great story about the release of debts. And I can imagine this woman, this is our third character in our story, I can imagine this woman sitting here listening to this story. And he's talking about those people with those debts they can't pay. I mean, just massive debts. Neither one of them could pay the debts. I mean, either a year's work or a month's work, big debts. Hard, hard to achieve. Just couldn't. And, and we talked about the release of those debts. I can imagine how she felt. Because unlike, unlike this bureaucrat host maintaining the status, she knew she was the sinner. She was reminded of it. She was known by it. She was called it, and she lived it. She knew it. But when she encountered this God of grace and this message of Christ, I can imagine the weight that flew off of her, the release that came with the forgiveness of the debt. There's a man I know named Marty. He was, in a, he was in a hospital in Georgia in the little place where you buy sandwiches, you know, where they have a little kiosk. And, and he was down there, and he was standing in line behind, behind a woman. She had a crippled coupon for chocolate chip cookies in her hands. And she was ordering a Subway sandwich. He learned as they were doing a little small talk that, that her daughter had been in the hospital a long, long time, and, and she'd been there a long, long time, and he could just tell. She didn't have all that much, and she's just filling with that coupon. And she ordered her sandwich, a cup of water, and she inquired about how much the Doritos cost. And when they told her, she said, "No, I don't think I need the Doritos." She presented her coupon for a chocolate chip cookie. Old Marty looked at this and he said, "You know what?" He said, "I got this." Said to the lady behind the cash register, hey, just made a new friend. Today I want to take care of her lunch. Doritos and all. Go ahead and order, order like you want to. And he said, I never forgot the look of her body. It was like all the tension just for a moment, just for a moment, all the tension was gone. Because someone did for her in that moment what she couldn't do for herself. 500 denarii, 50, seven bucks for a sandwich. If you don't got it, you don't got it. And friends, in the presence of a holy God, it's not good grammar, it's great theology. We don't got it. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Blessed are those that know it, who are encountered by Christ, who will release the debt and change the life. And Jesus said to Simon and the rest of the guests, she gets it and she loves much. He said, your faith has saved you. 
And then because a ruckus, Jesus would cause a ruckus. Now, he could have been polite about this whole thing. He could have written him up a little treatise and, and left it at the end of the night. Thank you, for the, thank you for the lovely meal. This is where you're wrong theologically. Think about this. We'll talk about it tomorrow. No, Jesus, he caused a ruckus. He started pointing out things and telling people what was in their hearts and telling stories. He caused a ruckus. And all of those men were blaming her. So after he talked about the love and the gratitude and the faith, he looked at her and said, Now, you go in peace. You be free to be the woman that God has called you to be. You're not shackled to these people and your history and the opinions of this community. You are the daughter of God. Your debts are forgiven. You are saved by faith. Now you go and you live at peace. And in that word to that woman, they were all invited into that very same freedom, into that very same peace. And the history of the church is that some of the early followers of Christ came from the Pharisees. So maybe, just maybe, somebody at this mill heard in their bone marrow and said to themselves, I'm sick of this too. And I'm a sinner too. And I want him to be my Savior. I want to live by faith. Not faith in faith, but faith in him. I want to be at peace. She did. Perhaps some of them did. Perhaps some of you live by faith. Today we baptize Mabry. The great great witness of scripture is, I have been crucified with Christ. The life that I live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you remember your baptism? Do you remember that season in your life where you placed your faith in Jesus knowing that he loved you and gave himself for you? Your faith has saved you. Not faith in faith, not faith in yourself. Faith in Jesus. Remember that and go in peace. You say, that, Matt, I don't even know where to start with that. That sounds too good to be true. It almost is. But it's not. It's the gospel. It's the truest thing in the universe. You may be ready. You may be ready to to toss your whole life in trust on Christ, who I assure you loved you and gave himself for you. Today when we sing, you may want to come and talk to me and say, Matt, I want what that woman got from Jesus because I'm a sinner too and I need a Savior. 
You may say, I'm not ready for that, but I want to start talking about it. Start today. I'd be, I'd be honored if I'm the one you started with. He loved you. He gave himself for you. Live by faith in him. And go in peace. Let's stand together. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you for the victory of the gospel. We thank you for the hope that we have because of it. We thank you that we can live by faith and that we can go in peace. Lord, I pray today as we sing that you would draw our hearts towards you, that we would all, Lord, take a step, uh, the, the next step that you have called us to, whatever that is, Lord. We pray that we would do it for your glory and for our good. Lord, this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.